You're listening to a podcast of the Sunday morning message from Grace Christian Church in the city of Cork on the beautiful south coast of Ireland. We hope and pray that it will be a blessing to you. We're all the time trying to predict the weather, forecasting the weather, forecasting what's coming in the future. That's the essence of weather forecasting. When I started preparing this message about 10 days ago, I had no idea how nice the weather forecast was going to be here in Cork. And if you're a visitor here to Cork today, I want you to know this, it isn't always like this. Uh, uh, uh. We have a surprise for you, the place isn't green because the sun is out all the time. But sometimes in our own lives, we can begin to forecast things for ourselves. We begin to forecast what will our relationships be like? What will our health be like? We try to gather up the data and we try and predict things. What will it be like in work? Will I be able to buy a house? Will I meet somebody that I can love and I can marry? We begin to forecast things for our lives and you know we're pretty poor meteorologists because very often when I listen to people the forecasts they have for their lives are really not all that great. They're not that great really but there's a problem with our forecasting which is not a problem that meteorologists have or, or that economists have and that is that we don't have the data. We don't have enough data as we look into the future about our lives. We don't know enough about our lives to tell the future with any real degree of accuracy. But we do know who does have all of the data of your life. The Lord has all of the data of your life. He knows everything about your life, he discerns our thoughts from afar, the psalmist said. He knows what we're thinking. In actual fact, the psalmist said that before a word is formed in my mouth, you know what I'm going to say. He has all the data about our present, about our past, and hallelujah, he knows all the data about our future. Amen. Would anyone say amen? amen. amen. Here's what the Lord spoke through Isaiah and said in Isaiah 46. He said, only I can tell the future before it ever happens. Everything I plan will come to pass, for I do whatever I wish. That's what the Lord says. He has the future. He knows the future. And everything he plans will come to pass. Now, one of the things I found about, uh, about forecasting in Ireland, if you forecast in Ireland, I'm talking about the weather forecast, is two words are used most commonly about the forecast in Ireland. Do you know what those two words are? Those two words are cheat. No, it's not rain. No, Tony McAvoy on the front row. That's it. A hundred lines tonight. I will not predict the future. Do you know what the two words that are used most by Irish meteorologists when predicting the forecast? These are the two words. One is changeable. The weather will be changeable this week. Because that's what happens in Ireland. You get four seasons in one day. That's just how it happens. We never seem to get it all the time. And the other word is unsettled. That things are going to be a little bit unsettled for the next week. Those are the two most used words in Irish forecasting. Let me tell you about your life. The two most usable words that are probably applied to your life today are one, changeable, because our circumstances change and we change and our mind changes and our emotions change, and unsettled. Things happen in our lives to throw us off kilter. Yeah. So there's changes coming in your life 
I'm forecasting that today, but I'm also forecasting that God will show up in those changes and in those unsettled moments. I want to go back to go forward. I want to go back just to last week's message when we were talking about giants and grasshoppers. The people of Israel are literally on the verge of taking all that God had promised them. And they decided, do you know what we're going to do? We're going to send some spies in to take a look at the land to see if what God says about the land is true. Which already was a bad starting place. Because God never lies. What he says about the land was true. So they sent up the, the, these spies. And they sent up these 12 spies. 10 of them came back with a terrible report. 2 of them came back with a wonderful report. And I looked last week specifically at the terrible report. And how the report actually got all the proportions and all the perspective out of place and that the things that were really small seemed really big and the things that were really big seemed really small. So the big promises of God seemed very small and the small threats of the enemy seemed very big and they got it all backwards. This, were, this is just one example from last week's message of what they said when they came back. They went to look at the land. Here was the report. Ten of them said, we can't go up against them, the people of the land. They are stronger than we are. We can't go up against them. They're strong. We're weak. They're big. We are small. It goes on to say, the land we traveled through and explored will devour anyone who goes to live there. All the people we saw there were huge. All of them. Not even one small person. Everybody was huge. And the exaggeration and the fear and the misproportion and the bad perspectives actually held them back from going in and experience all that God had promised them. What was worse was that not only did they experience this and frighten, be frightened by it, they decided to frighten absolutely everybody else with it too. And they came back and reported to the people what they had seen, all the giants and the huge cities and all the dangerous people and all the giants and the, how dangerous the land was. And when the people heard this report from these 10 unreliable sources, this is what the scripture records in Numbers 14. Then the whole community began weeping aloud, and they all cried all night, if only we had died in Egypt or even here in the wilderness. If only we had died in Egypt. What a ridiculous thing to say. It goes on. Why is the Lord taking us to this country only to have us die in battle? Our wives and our little ones will be carried off as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to return to Egypt? Now this report and this assessment of the situation could not have been further away from what God had said to them. He said, your multiple generations will be blessed in this land. It's a good land. You will win all of the battles in this land if you obey and you follow me. You will be blessed when you get up and when you lay down, when you come in and when you go up, when you work and rest and play and pray. You're going to be blessed. That's what he said. He said it's an amazing land. And here the people, having heard this report, suddenly go, Ah! We're going to lose our wives and our children and we're going to be killed in battle and we're going to go back to Egypt. And what is the Lord doing in our lives? Have you ever wondered to yourself when something goes wrong in your life and you ask, what is the Lord doing? It doesn't matter. He's doing his best. Would anyone say amen? amen? It doesn't matter. He's doing his best. That's what he's always doing. But something is happening here that is real for all of our lives. And it's real for all of our lives here today and every day of your life. And it's this. All of these people were infectious. They were infectious with fear. 
And they began to spread the infection of fear right throughout all of the people of the nation. Everyone began to listen to them. As they went around, they spread the infection of fear. And they, and you know, I want to say something to you that I'm sure if Tony Holland tunes in afterwards and watches our Facebook broadcast, which he does every Sunday, you understand? Anyway, if he tunes in, he will go, ah, I can't believe he said that. Everyone in this room is infectious. Everyone in this building is infectious. You infect other people with your attitude. You infect other people with your fear, with your faith, with your anger. Have you ever noticed that when you run lots of angry people, you start getting angry yourself? Yeah, what are the government doing? They're trying to control us. No, don't even go there. Oh, you go, oh no, it's getting really bad out there. You kind of go, yeah, I know, I'm beginning to wonder about it myself. But they were infectious. Brothers and sisters, you're infectious Amen. today. Amen. And you know, if you're feeling today that you don't have faith or that you're lacking faith in an area of your life, an area maybe where somebody else is a breakthrough, go and catch the faith off someone else. Amen. Ask them to pray for you. Stand near somebody who has faith and maybe they, you'll catch the infection from them. When you go from church today and you go home to your family or you go home to your friends and you're sour and cranky, that's not going to be very nice. They're not going to want to catch that infection off you. But if you go home enthusiastic, joyous, thankful, glad that you went to church, they're going to want to catch that off you too. Do you know what I'm saying? Will anyone say amen? Infection. Catch the good one. Would anyone say amen? amen? But there was a couple of guys who had a different view of it. And one of them were Joshua and Caleb. Here's what it says. Two of these men who explored the land, Joshua son of Nun, in case you're wondering, he wasn't the son of a nun, okay, just for the record. His, his father's name was Nun. And Caleb, son of Jephunneh, said to all the people of Israel, The land we traveled through is a wonderful land. What God said about the land is true. It's a wonderful land. Brothers and sisters, where God is leading is a wonderful place. Would anyone say amen? He goes on, they go on to say this, and if the Lord is pleased with us, he will bring us safely into that land and give it to us, a land rich and flowing with milk and honey. They go on to say this, but don't rebel against the Lord and don't be afraid of the people of the land. Don't be afraid of the people of the land. Don't be afraid of the boss. Would anyone say amen? amen. Don't be afraid of your wife. Would any of the husbands say amen? Amen. Did nobody say amen to that like? Don't be afraid of your landlord. Would anyone say amen? Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of the people of the land. He goes on to say, they are only helpless prey to us. But the Lord is with us. The Lord is with us. But, he said, and don't be afraid of them. I love that. He says, they are helpless prey to us. They have no protection, but the Lord is with us. You see, when they went in and they looked at the land, they came across all of these towns and they had big, high, thick walls and they had ramparts and they had defenses and all that kind of stuff. And, and they kind of went, wow, how are we going to get into these cities? Those walls were protected on every side. Except one, those walls did not have a roof. The Lord was over them. They had no protection. You cannot protect against the God of heaven. You see, what they had was a faithful forecast. What the other guys had was a 
fearful forecast. What's the forecast for you in the changing weather of your life? What's the forecast for you? You see, what they said is they went into the land and they said, the plan of God is good. Would anybody in this hall or upstairs say amen? The plan of God is good. Amen. The purpose of God is good. Amen. The promise of God is good. Amen. And he is bringing you into that land if you just stay faithful to him. He will bring you into that land if you just stay faithful to him. It doesn't mean that everything is going to suddenly open up before you like the Red Sea is going to part and everything is going to be fine. There is going to be difficulties. There is going to be trials. There is going to be situations. There is going to be tests. But the purpose, the plan and the promise of God are good. Amen. Amen. I like what Corey Tenboom a woman who actually faced a very, very difficult future. She had been in Auschwitz. She's an Auschwitz survivor. And she became a Christian. And, um, and she t t wrote her story called The Hiding Place, a fantastic story. But she lived to the, she was a very old woman. A lot of her relatives, all of her relatives, died in German concentration camps during World War II. But she survived. It didn't mean that she was more blessed, it just meant that she survived and God had a different plan for her. And she lived until she was a very old woman. And this is what she said about the future, I love it. She said, never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. Because you can go to see Mystic Meg, don't. You can read your astrological chart, don't. You can waste your money by visiting Gypsy Rose Lee who reads your future and your palm if you cross her palm with silver, don't. They don't know the future. Amen. God knows the future. Amen. You don't know the future, but God knows the future. Amen. And you know God. And in Christ, because you know him, how do you know him? In what way do you know him? Obviously, you know him spiritually. But also, when you look at the Bible, look at the scriptures, see what the faithful people of God experience time after time after time after time. Read what the New Testament says. Jesus rose from the dead, so therefore we're going to rise too. The future is already spelled out for us. Never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. And an unknown future is a funny one because we really don't know. Are we going to go overseas and travel or work? Are we going to, are we going to ask that girl or that guy to marry us, whatever you whatever you're having yourself? Are, are, are we, you know, um, if you're a brave woman that is. Anyway, uh, are, are we, we just don't know. Is my health going to visit me? If you take like, for instance, in my own family, my own family, there, there's, there's health issues in my own family, excuse me. <clears throat> both of my parents had difficulties with blood pressure and so on and so forth. And one of them had a cardiac problem. And both of them had strokes. So I'm going, is that the forecast for my future? No, not, that's not the forecast for my future. Will anyone say amen? amen? God knows what the future is. And even if that does turn out to be the forecast for my future, God is still going to be there. Amen? amen? Whatever comes or goes, never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. Let me forecast something for you today. Are you up for that? Yeah. Let me forecast. Let me tell you that there's a couple of forecasts that we have to pay attention to that are written in the scriptures. That we pay attention to these. First of all is the short term forecast. Now if you looked at the weather last night, I looked at the weather last night on RTE as Joanna Donnelly kind of winked at me and said, the weather this week is going to be great. And it was, oh, it's fantastic. And she dropped this chart and there's Ireland with all of these sun. I actually took a photograph and I was going to put it in the slideshow, but I didn't bother. But there's Ireland with all of these suns on it. And you go, wow, Scorchio, it's going to be wonderful. But we know it's Ireland, so it's not going to last. It's not going to last. 
And what's the short-term forecast for you? You may be basking in sunshine and joy, but here's what Peter wrote to the early Christian church. He said this. He said, in all of this you greatly rejoice, though for no, for a little while, you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. Let me tell you what the short-term forecast for your life is. There's going to be trials. There's going to be issues. There's going to be griefs. There's going to be problems. Not everything is going to work the way you want to work it. Not every door you knock at is going to be opened. Not every hope that you store up is going to be fulfilled. But for a little while, for a little while, you might have to suffer a bit of grief. I like the way he said he talks about grief. They use the word grief in its grieving sense, the sadness and loss sense. But like in Ireland, because Anaphilus give me an awful lot of grief. You know, you may have to suffer a little bit of grief for a bit of time. Are you still going to keep following the Lord? Yes. Are you going to fall away the minute the first trouble comes? Jesus spoke about it. He spoke about it in the parable of the sower. You can read it yourself. It's in three of the four gospels, the story of the sower. It's there. Read it yourself. Are you going to fall away? Because you know something, brothers and sisters? People have fallen away all over the world. Christians who seem to love the Lord and were following wholeheartedly have fallen away all over the world. The report from churches all over the world is that some people have just evaporated. They have just disappeared. They have decided that from now on, this isn't the life for them. They're going to decide to live their own way or they're going to have church just for themselves. Uh, they're going to have fellowship with themselves. You can't have fellowship with yourself, but there you go. But a lot of people, sadly, sadly, have fallen away. It's really, it's really tragic. I mean, you, you can read the reports. They're all over the Christian media. You can read about it. You know what? When trials come and tests come, brothers, never more than ever do we need to assemble together as the people of God. Would anyone say amen? So that we might catch the infection where we support one another and pray for one another and connect with one another and encourage one another. That's a short-term forecast. Let me give you a long-term forecast. Let me give you a long-term forecast. This is taken. If you're familiar with the Bible in any way, you have heard this verse before. Uh, I knew it like I, I, I'd learned this verse when I was knee-high to a grasshopper. I was in a Christian year when I knew this one. And it's taken from the book of Jeremiah. The blessings of God. I mean, I, am, I am I thirsty in my coffin? I am. <laughs> this, by the way, if you're looking in on the internet, is vodka. <laughs> Somebody said, where does he get his energy? Where does he get his energy? Christine, thank you. It's hot work today inside, in, inside the center. But next week it'll be freezing again soon. So. <laughs> What's the long-term forecast? Here's a long-term forecast for you. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Now most people know this verse and we love this verse. And we go, yes, hallelujah, the Lord's got great plans. Do you want to know the context of this verse? <laughs> So the Lord says to Jeremiah, do you know the people that I carted off to Babylon with Nebuchadnezzar? This is what I want you to, want to write them a letter and tell them what my plans are. And the verses that immediately preceded this verse say, this is what the Lord says. When 70 years are fulfilled for you in Babylon, I will bring you home. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope. And the future, 70 years from now. Let's close in prayer. <laughs> 70 years was the length of this promise. 
Now I'm 53 years of age. So if God fulfills his promises to me, I'll be 123. Or dead for about 40 years there or thereabouts. Take your pick. But here's the thing about this promise. When you see it initially in context, you go, mm. But actually when you look at it in long term, what it's saying is, the Lord is making plans for your life that last for 70 years. 70 years. Is there anybody here 30 years old or younger? 30 years old or younger? Will you stand up if you're 30 years old or younger? 30, you'll do fine if you're just 30, 30 years old or younger. And sign you can stand up and sign the atrium as well. There's a couple of mine over there. 30 years older. That means that if you follow the Lord and stay faithful to him, you could be 100 years old in 70 years time still knowing the blessings and the prospering and the looking after or the care of God in your life. Would anyone say amen? amen. That's when I'm long gone. Long gone. Hell, I'm gone to glory. When I'm gone to glory, you will still be knowing the faithfulness, the purposes and the plans of God. Would any of the people who are older than 30 say amen? amen. Can we give a round of applause to our 30s and unders? God bless you lads. But the good news for the rest of us ancients is this, that every moment between this promise and its completed fulfillment, God was at work in their lives. God was at work in their families. God was at work at their work. God was at work, because he actually says to me, he says, settle down, build houses, get married, I'm with you. Would anyone say amen? Amen. That was God's long-term forecast. That he has got plans to prosper you. Would anyone say amen? amen. Not to harm you. Would anyone say amen? amen? Plans to give you a hope. Would anyone say amen? amen. It's worth taking in. And a future. Amen. A future. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want the final forecast. There's a final forecast for you. What's about this? This is from the New Testament. Paul is writing to the Hebrew Christians. And the Hebrew Christians were under savage pressure. The Hebrew Christians were under savage pressure because they had left Judaism, become Christians, declared that Jesus was the Messiah, and they were being persecuted. Their property was being confiscated. They were being kicked out of synagogues. They were being cut off from families. They were considered as dead to their families. That was the trouble they were putting up with. And Paul writes to them, he says, lads, don't forsake meeting together as some people do, like people are unfortunately doing a lot of. That don't forsake it. And then he goes on to this. He says, lads, I know that people are sliding away and they're disappearing, but that's not your future. This is the final forecast for us. He says, but we don't belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed, but those who have faith and are saved. Amen. Amen. Who have faith and are saved. So we don't, we are not the people who give up halfway through. Who sing, I have decided to follow Jesus on Sunday and then bail out on the Friday. Draw yourself off with the towel, we never see you again. No, we're the people who still show up and still show up for other people. We still show up in our faith. And sometimes, you know, the building can be closed and all that, and the coronavirus, don't mind all that. But we're people who show up in our faith. Will anyone say, Amen. Amen. That's the final forecast you. You're going to be saved. You're going to be raised again at the last day. We could go into it, but it's not going to solve your problem necessarily for today. But it's not necessarily meant to solve your problem for today. In the meantime, we know this God is watching over us. Would anyone say? I want to tell you just a very brief story. And I know I'm already after going. I'm not far short of time. So let me tell you this story very briefly. When I got married uh, 30 years ago, 30 years ago, 
And last week, Elma and I were married. After we got married, we lived in a house in Bishopstone. We lived in the downstairs flat in Bishopstone. And while we were living in the house, we were living there a few months. And uh, um, one night, um, uh, one morning, we got up to get ready for work and go for, for get breakfast and get ready to go for work. And I went to go to the bathroom. And I opened the door of the bathroom. And the back door of the, of, the, of the apartment or the flat, which actually came in through the bathroom, had actually been unscrewed and taken off the hinges and thrown to one side, and somebody had come in and tried either with a, jam, with, with a hammer or with some kind of a jimmy bar, some kind of a crowbar, to open the bathroom door. But we knew that the bathroom, that the back door wasn't that great, that it was maybe a bit flimsy, so we used to lock the internal bathroom door. And because of that, the person couldn't get into our flat and steal our stuff or attack us or whatever it was that they had in mind. We didn't know what they had in mind. And it was a little bit disconcerting to come in and discover that somebody had been inside in your bathroom and we used to keep a washing machine inside us. So when I opened the door of the bathroom, there, the, the soap powder had fallen off, the washing machine was spilled on the floor, the back door was gone, there was wood chippings on the ground, the back of the door had been ground up and there was a screwdriver on the ground. It was like something on a CSI. One of those scenes we're trying to figure out, he moved there, he did this or he did that. Anyway, we got that repaired and carried on. And about four weeks, between three and four weeks later, we were in bed. I was sound asleep as I normally am, clocked out in the middle of the night when Elma elbowed me. He's like, there's someone, Michael, Michael. There's someone, there's someone trying to get in the window. And I, I, I listened, and you could hear That's not a very good impression of it, but you could hear somebody jimmying the window. And this is the window of our bedroom on the ground floor. Somebody's at it with a jimmy bar. So I, I said, right, right, I get up and I did all the things that the guardie tell you to do. Here's a piece of hints. This is what the guardie tell you to do. Make a lot of noise, turn on the lights, take your time before you go. That's what they say. Don't go and confront the guy with an iron bar. Like, hello? So I got up out of bed and I put on my pants very slowly. <laughs> like one minute there, one leg, whee, leg two. And I turned on the lights, and I slammed the doors a couple of times to get rid of this guy. But he still he obviously wasn't picking up, and he was still jimming at, the, jimming at the window. And so I went out. No, lads, I'd love to tell you. I bowed out and said, Hark, who goes there? Thou fiend, unhand me. This is my maiden. I was bricking it. And I was bricking it because I knew this guy had a hammer or he had an iron bar. Now, it's a wise thing to be afraid sometimes, okay, just for the record. If you see a guy coming out to an iron bar, you're not Bruce Lee, okay? So I went out the door, opened the door, ran, ran out, and here's this guy standing by the wall, and he's got something held up under his jacket, which was clearly the hammer or the iron bar that he had. He's holding it up like that, and he's standing, he's got a hat down over his face. And of course, I said, Hark, who goes there? No, I said, Do you know what I said? I said, Can I help you? <laughs> It's a real cock response, isn't it? Can I help you? You alright? To which he responded, I didn't try to break into your flat at all, boy. The confession tapes. So he, he made his way off and he made his way down the road and I kind of followed him a short distance and we, we rang the, the guardie and the guardie arrived up nine days later as, the, you know, as things go. But, um, so we, we rang the guardie and the guardie came and told us who he was. Actually, he said, look, that's XYZ ABC. I can't say his name here enough for copyright purposes. But uh, he said who he is. And, and by the way, he got his comeuppance, which is a great story. I'll tell that story another day. Anyway, um, but he got his comeuppance. And he, that was fine. Went home, went, went, went to bed and this kind of stuff. And then it hit me. I began to become anxious. I couldn't sleep. And so for the next few weeks, everything that dropped in the house, every creak, I was awake. Alert, switched on, totally switched on, and was really getting under my skin. 
let me go somewhere with this very, very quickly. It was really getting under my skin, so much to the point that I actually used to hang saucepans, you know, like, like, like pots, stainless steel pots, on the handles of the window, so that if somebody went out the window, the pot would fall down, make a noise, frighten him and frighten me, you know what I'm saying? And, and then I realized it. So I became more and more anxious, and I want to say this to you today, because I mean this, this I believe is prophetic, okay? I mean this, I believe this is prophetic. I couldn't flame and sleep. Or if I'd nod off, I'd wake up at the first car passing the window, any noise at all, I was awake. And this went on for weeks, and I was getting exhausted. I didn't realize it, but I was becoming physically exhausted, I was becoming emotionally exhausted, and I was spiritually exhausted. And then I was reading my Bible one day, and I was praying, as you do, as a Christian does. I, I hope if you're a Christian, that's what you're doing. But as I was reading my Bible one day, and I'm reading in the Psalms, and I, I don't even know that I prayed about it. It was one of those anxieties that you carry around with you, but you don't even pray about it. It's almost so part of who you are, you're not even conscious that you have it. Does that make sense to anyone? It's just under your skin. And, and I know some people here suffer with some anxieties like that, and you've had some fears as well. And maybe you're on, on Facebook or on Instagram, or maybe watching later on YouTube, and it's a reality for you, or listening on the podcast. And it's a reality for you that, that something has gotten under your skin, you're becoming anxious, and you can't sleep well at night. Well, anyway, I read the scriptures, and something happened to me that never happened to me before in my Christian life. I began to read the scriptures. No, no, sorry. I, 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 what I meant was something happened to me in the process. I read Psalm chapter 4 and verse 8, and this is what Psalm 4 verses 8. I will lie down and sleep in peace, for you alone, O oh Lord, make me dwell in safety. I read that verse, and I can honestly say, probably and maybe for the only time in my Christian life, instantly, instantly, it was cured. Instantly, my anxiety lifted. I heard the voice of God as clearly as if he'd been standing in the room saying to me, I've got this I am watching over you. David, who was pursued by his enemies, who wanted to kill him with a spear and with a sword, said, I will lay down and sleep in peace. Because you know what? You alone, O oh Lord, make me dwell in safety. Only the Lord can make you dwell in safety. No matter how many seatbelts, safety belts, harnesses, savings, cushions you put around you, only the Lord can make you dwell in safety because he has your future. Would anyone say amen? amen.